Let's go. My name Wale, and I came to kill him. Hey, oh let's my go, goodness. man. I love this podcast. You guys have fun on this one. Huh? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Before they get in your business, be in charge of your business. Own it because it's your business. Your business, business. Handle all of your business. Value all of your business. You say you're minding your business. My business. What's up, good people? I'm Renee Montgomery, and thank you for tapping in with us another week on Montgomery & Company. We have Wale Agunlaye, who is a former pro bowler who now manages at UBS, which, if you don't know, is the largest financial institution in the world. We also got my guy, Bucci Main, John Butchergross, who is a sports center anchor, and he's also going to talk about hockey, his career, all types of other things. Last week, Cole had to make it make sense for us, and she did. And this week, we're going to bring you a little bit of hot girl news with Kay Cruz. That's Serena Grace's sister, if you don't know. And then lastly, Twitter accepts Elon Musk's offer of $43 billion. Excuse me? Yeah, we about to talk about that with the fam. As the world turns and millions get spent, I read a tweet that said CNN Plus launched on March 29th and it's shutting down on April 30th. The company spent $300 million on it. That's $9,375,000 per day. And just when you see that amount of money, obviously, I know that corporations make money and they can spend it how they want. When I see that $300 million was put into CNN Plus, first of all, I think, wow, that's a lot of money. But then secondly, I, I think about how, man, all the people that are going to be out of jobs, the holiday season is coming up. It's already tough to find great work as is. And a lot of people may have already left their jobs to go to that CNN Plus job. So I know a lot of people are making comparisons to Quibi and how that company spent a large amount of money. I had a show on Quibi. You know, I, I did one with TMZ Sports and I was alongside Michael J. Babcock. We had a show on Quibi. I found out the day of recording our next episode that Quibi was canceled. So I found out the news just like everyone else. And it just instantly made me think about, I wonder if that was the same for the people that were working for CNN Plus. Because as everybody's talking about the numbers and the millions spent, there's a lot of people that now are sitting at home trying to pivot, trying to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to pay our bills for the next month? Obviously, I know that there was probably some type of packages given and various things of that nature, but I don't know how many people have a nest egg that can sustain over a six-month period trying to find another good job or longer because who knows when those opportunities open up. Being in the TV industry, I've seen it firsthand myself of there's a lot of jobs that, you know, you could love a job, love the show, but people sit in those seats, that host spot, those analyst spots for years. People retire around 75 sometimes for some jobs. That's a whole lifetime spent in that one job. So that's a whole lifetime of a seat that is forever filled. So when you get that seat in a TV business or in the TV industry or even that acting role, it applies for all of it, an acting role. When you get that head coaching position, it's a big excitement because a lot of those seats aren't available. So then I just think about CNN Plus that now a lot of those seats are not even no longer available for anyone. So where are those other people going to sit? I woke 
up to all kinds of tweets. Just a lot going on. And if anybody knows me, Twitter is where I like to roam. So I'm like, what's going on with Elon Musk? And then I found the tweet from BBC Breaking News. Twitter's board agrees to a $44 billion takeover by Elon Musk, who has promised to unlock the social media's giant potential. Now, that's why I found out that everybody was going crazy. I saw all kinds of memes from the office. I saw all kinds of things that people were just really losing their minds. And so I was like, what is really going on? The part that people had a problem with was another tweet that I saw that said, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, I'm deleting the app. This is the new, if Trump wins, I'm moving to Canada tweet. So I started to see that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of undertones. Like if you guys can see what's happening here, the whole official unlocking is what's scaring people. And then Elon Musk gets on Twitter and he says, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. So there's a whole little mess brewing in here. People are concerned about what it means when Elon Musk says he's going to unlock this giant's potential. People are concerned of what does unlocking mean. Some people think that means that all the people that were banned before from Twitter will now be allowed to join because he also made a statement about free speech. So I'm just curious, what are our thoughts? How are we feeling about Elon Musk now having Twitter as his play toy? I'm not a real big fan of Elon Musk. Uh, his <laughs> cars, the Teslas, and I, you know, I, I do like the look of them and all of that and everything. <laughs> but him as a business person and as an influencer, I'm not real hip on that. First of all, uh, he does things strangely. He does things different than most of the business world. So it's not anything new that he would go in and try to change that. I mean, I was reading the other day about, you know, when they were talking about him possibly buying it, that, well, you know, he doesn't even own a house. He says he sleeps from different people's couches. He's a couch surfer. What an ironic turn. Right. I, I was called that recently myself. That's well, the same well, thing. well, you're in good company because Elon Musk, he's sleeps at different <laughs> friends' houses when he's in town. So, you know, I guess his plane is his actual home. And then for him to insinuate that he's just going to open that up. I mean, I've just been trying to get started with Twitter and I'm very disappointed <laughs> because it looks like now I might be shutting it down. Oh <laughs> okay. Yes. I have the same feeling. I, I'm just not... Let me tell you, I, I was never so happy as when Trump and, and other of these cronies were banned from all these social media and even just not turning the news on and seeing his face. So the possibility that the first thing that's going to jump up on my Twitter is some ignorant <laughs> statement made from someone that I would love to leave in the past. It doesn't make me very happy as well. Not to mention, like when you talk about the freedom of speech, here's the part for me that makes me kind of leery as well. You have to remember there are extremists, there are Taliban, there are racists who would love for this to be an open circuit for them to be able to say what they want to say. Just say they're liars. Just go ahead and add that to it, too. There's some big liars <laughs> out there that people are gullible and yes. will not do any research and yes. look up anything that comes out of their mouth. I mean, it, it's really bad. It's true. Really yeah. And that's the part for me. OK, Trump is, is dangerous because to be absent of that much common sense is almost amazing that he's actually able to function in normal society. But I will say that opening that door <laughs> to the him, president. I don't care, uh, even opening up to the president, I mean, not the president, but opening <laughs> up to 
you're opening yourself to racists. We're opening ourselves up to extremists. And let's just say, you know, Trump is annoying, but you know, the other people who are behind him that are really the problems, they're the ones who are scarier in the situation than just Trump. Now he's annoying. And I, I told you, I'm like with mom, as soon as that happens, the first time I'm gonna be like, you know what? Me and Twitter have to part ways. <laughs> I'm just going to do out. it. That's it. Yeah, I mean, and, and you were about to say something about Fox, and I completely agree with you. So one of our favorite shows that we watch is Billions. And in Billions, I have a theory that it is like, I, I think they had to base it off of Fox or something. I don't Wait, know. Wait, no, you're talking about Succession. Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. It's, Another yeah. good one. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, exactly. It's uh, Succession, not Billions, my bad. But yeah. It's, no, that's still one of our favorite shows. Yes. So just yes, like, they're both. I'm still watching it too. Yes, yes, shows. yes. They're both great shows. But yes, my thank you for correcting me, babe. Succession. Their their whole thing is that they want to they want to make like a news conglomerate and they want to control like the news. I, basically, they want to be the gatekeepers for like local news and things like that. I think you know. And so this is exactly like you know the problem. Like who are our gatekeepers? To your point, Cole, and to Snook's point too, is like people are gullible. So if our gatekeepers are going to be viewing out these things and it's coming from a person whose views might be like polarizing with let's say just with the rest of our society I don't know you know like like society is kind of split so there could be people who are who are just who are very strategic about agitating certain things and then they hide behind free speech you know they say well America you know the the constitution free speech all this stuff and then and then they they say you know that they can say whatever they want but you know it is very scary to think who are our gatekeepers and who's letting these things be on the internet. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to become a, an issue of, of who's controlling our, our content and who's going to, what people need to realize is that social media is a big monster. Influence is a big monster and people are willing to pay lots and lots of money for influence because influence, you know, you influence society at large. And just your same point there is that, like I said, during Trump's administration, I've never seen so many people get beat on the internet because what happened was, <laughs> seriously, it, just because people were fueled, their fire was fueled by the gross stuff that he was spewing and they were taking it and they were like, oh yeah, so he said I could do it. Then they were going out and not having the same consequences as the people who were in the White House. Now you have this whole other thing here again. You have again, you're going to have someone who's going to open this up and- not saying that freedom of speech is not correct. Everyone should have the freedom to say what they want to mm -hmm. say. It's when your words cause hurtful actions. Like purposely part. agitate, right? Yes, that's the part for me. So basically, I'd rather just bow out because I, <laughs> instead of me waking up every morning, my blood pressure bad, high, and me going medication because every time something come up, it's something that Trump said, then some idiot bounces it back off and retweets it, then puts a quote on it, then it's just like telephone. It keeps going and going and going and going. I would just like, no, I don't think so. I will give it a chance. I'm not going to say initially I will have to test the waters, but when I start drowning, I'm going <laughs> to have to bow out. I That's was just it. thinking about this the other day when my granddaughter was over, and this is right before the sale, I guess yesterday or so, and we were. I was talking about all of these conspiracy theorists who are out there, you know, and I was saying, wow, we're going to have to talk to the team here on MoCo and find out what our conspiracy theories are, because everybody's got to have one. <laughs> and so I've already developed mine, and I was telling my granddaughter just to see if she was 
listing. It didn't even give a rise to her because it was so outrageous. I said, did you hear what I just said? And she said, yes, I heard Gigi. <laughs> yeah, they and, and, out, I mean, though. you know, they, they're they just sitting there and they'll just soak up this stuff. You know, I was trying to tell her that aliens had visited my house and had did something <laughs> to me during the night while I was asleep. And she just, OK, OK, you know, and that's yeah, no, that's actually stuff. a good point. That's yeah, how that's crazy a good point. stuff gets started. So these conspiracy theorists, I said, like you said, one day we should come on here. What is your conspiracy theory? Everybody, you need we'll do one. that. We you will need, do that. Everybody needs one. And, you know, you're talking about aliens. And it's so funny because um, <laughs> I was going to say it's really interesting. My my teacher at Kennesaw State, he said, you know, when 100 years from now, when they're when if aliens are to examine uh <laughs> humankind, they would look at Twitter. They say that he, he literally said, not even aliens. He said, let's say in a hundred years when historians are even examining people from our time, our era, whatever. He yeah. said that Twitter is going to be the most legitimate terrifying. and accurate source of information to see terrifying. human behavior. And that is terrifying, right? Because <laughs> it's like now that one man who is, you know, a lot of people can probably, you know, they can draw their own conclusions about his character or whatever he's controlling a very big you know influence in in on the world you know what I'm saying? A very big bunch of cash. Let's just say, if he didn't have any <laughs> money, you wouldn't be hearing nothing from him. That's the only reason <laughs> you're hearing from him is because he got a big chunk of money now. That's you know true. what I think about is the fact that it's already been researched that there were things done that shift votes and shift elections. So when I start to think about freedom of speech and how it's like, yeah, open it up. That's great. Like no one's against freedom of speech. That should be what everyone understands. There's no one against somebody being able to speak your mind. But when your words become someone else's actions that harm someone else, that's, exactly that's when it's a problem. Or when your words affect something in a way that it shouldn't, i.e. the a voting or i.e. an election, when we know this is elections coming up this year, especially in Georgia, we got elections coming up this year. And that's scary, to me, those too. Are the things, yeah, those are the things that I start to think about because to Snook's point, to Serena and Cole's point, everybody's not going to do their research. So you can think, oh, well, I mean, it's on you who you follow and it's on you, whoever you have on your timeline. Yeah, that is true. But then when you have a majority of kids like Snook's talking about my niece, Pooh, my Pooh Bear, who when they hear something, they take it in and they don't they take it at face value. They're not going to fact check it, find multiple articles that dispute it they're not going to do that and then that same pooh bear that's my pooh bear could grow up and then be voting off of things that she read two years ago that weren't even real in the first place yes that is also a kid problem in a sense that people should research whatever they read on the internet but it's like we can still be scared at the fact that we know people aren't going to do it because they aren't doing it right now so i say hey, and 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 have a conspiracy theory uh, Snook, you just made me think of one speaking of conspiracy theories you better save it we're doing it next week <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and this is the other thing that's so scary since so many people, you know, when I want to hear if something is pertinent or newsworthy or whatever, I go to a reliable source who gives me news. So say, for instance, you're on Twitter, you're one of those Twitter people, you you know, checking Twitter for all your information and stuff. And somebody decides that, oh, say there's a health threat or a medical emergency going on and you're going to Twitter to check for it. And it's telling you that all oh, these crazy people are saying, 
saying, go here, go there, go there. Instead of you checking with the right resource or the reliable mm-hmm. resource to get to where you need to have yourself and your family safe, you're relying on something that's blowing up here on Twitter. And, and it might make you just drive off the edge of the earth because you don't even know where, you know, how reliable it is. <laughs> that's one of the things that really galls me because just like with uh, taking this horse medicine that was out there and, and people did that without doing any, not talking to their doctor, not, you know, going to the health department and, you know, just because it was out there and it was just running on Twitter. So they did. They read it on the internet or heard it on a podcast. You know, mm-hmm. this is what's so different for me. I remember back in the day, the only way you got factual news was the newspaper. I'm old. I'm old. So basically, (laughs) if it was a newspaper, it was an unbiased fact. Six o'clock and 11 o'clock news on TV. Six and 11. Six and 11. They went by exactly what was the facts. They didn't say this. They didn't say that. They didn't put their own little spin on it. It was literally like, okay, this is what happened. Today, there was a gas leak. We evacuated these areas, the schools were closed. You know, it was very factual information, which it would could be checked. And so the fact now that our my nieces and my nephews and even my son, the information comes from the Internet and there's a billion different articles. You got this yeah. article, that article, this article. And so it's almost sad to say because. Now, sometimes you don't even trust the news sources that are coming out. Like, like you said, Fox News says we're not news; we're entertainment. They, they yeah, had to put that's a, wow. They yeah. had to it's put called spin Fox on. News, and you're not. They news. did. It, they had to put entertainment on some of their stuff because well, it was because, so because opinion based. Lawsuit, you see, because someone got mad that their mother was believing that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all going to start to get blurred because when you start to deal with the internet, everybody wants to be the first, the fastest. Yep. yep. Oh, we'll fix it later. Just get it out there. Just get it out there. Just get it out there. And Denzel Washington made that statement. Said, it is up to the journalists to do their due diligence and put the truth out. Y'all want to fix how things are going? He literally said that. He said, it's, it's your job. Y'all have and to that's, And that's the problem, too, that a lot of people want to, you know, overstep that journalistic, you know, boundary, I guess. Because I guess now with the age of blogs and, and just the accessibility that people have to creating content, let's say Twitter, you know, like ev- anybody could be basically, not anybody can't be a journalist, but some people think that they could be, you know, they that 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 news source like you said is legitimate and they are basically you know being journalists you know like civilian journalism so it's like those lines are getting are getting crossed and and so it like to renee's point you know what is what is journalism and what is entertainment is like if some people are just and what spe- is news exactly what exactly what is news if some people are just putting their opinions out there as news that's the danger well it would behoove the educational system at this point because i know that we taught critical thinking in college classes. It would behoove the uh, education system to start a little bit younger, like in junior high, teaching students how do you really evaluate what you see and what critical you read. Thinking. So critical thinking is something that needs to be taught, I mean, very early because otherwise you're going to have a lot of individuals who are kind of just messed up because they went down the wrong path or listened to the wrong information. Well, I have two things to say. What happened to citing? Remember we had to cite where you got <laughs> yes, your information from? Sources. Cite your yes. sources. So that is already, be, it should be still being taught. Hopefully they're still teaching this, but you're supposed to cite your sources. Remember they used to tell you, go on a, if that's a source that's a reliable source or has factual information, things that you can actually check and not more opinion, that should be it. The second thing is, is that now journalistic opportunities are prove it didn't happen. 
That's their thought process. Like I put it out there. We'll prove it didn't happen. So until Mm -hmm. you can prove it didn't happen, you can't say that I'm wrong by saying this. There's no information that says it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like that backwards saying, like, I put it out there and said, the sky was yellow today and then it turned blue. And then they say, well, I didn't see that. Well, prove it didn't happen. Like they're making the people prove what they say is not what it is. Right. And that is a huge problem, too, because some of the stuff that people are putting out there may not be provable. It might not be. You're not able to prove you it. You can't dispute it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's not true. It's not true. And, right. you know, to that point of you can't explain the fact that it's not true. I think that we should just have one conspiracy theory to lead us into next week because I feel like it could be for this topic. So, Serena, what is that conspiracy theory that you have? My crazy little brain is thinking that Elon Musk and Trump are working together. And that's why they bought Twitter to influence this and infiltrate this next election coming up. Because this is just weird timing that they do it in the year that is an election year. And, you know, like, that's just some that's some that's a really big move. You know, OK, just playing along with this conspiracy hey, theory, conspiracy I'll play theory. along. That sounds like fact to me. Now, <laughs> because go ahead. the offer, they also said the offer was like $20 over per share of what it should have been. So they gave them an offer almost that they couldn't refuse. So kind of to tag along to your conspiracy theory, there could be some energy behind that, because why would you be so pressed to get it right now? And why would you offer that much? Again, if you have that much money to spend, maybe he's like, yeah, I just wanted to make sure I could get it. I don't know. I just wanted to play along, but I like that. We'll be back next week with other conspiracy theories. Coming up next, we have John Butcher Gross, aka Bucci Main, who is the Sports Center anchor and also NHL play by play for ESPN. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Bucci Mae, first of all, thank you for being a WNBA supporter. I saw you were rocking the orange hoodie live on yep. Sports Center, so thank you for that. Yeah, yes. it's good for my with my Irish complexion. It goes well. <laughs> <laughs> it, makes, it makes me glow. <laughs> you looked great. And so since on that theme, you know that I'm a co-owner and vice president here in Atlanta Dream, and you're a hockey guy. So I just got to mm-hmm. ask, we have every other sport in the world – do you think hockey will ever come back to the A? I mean, they tried twice. And uh, my argument for Atlanta was both times the team stunk. I mean, they were terrible. <laughs> so you know, I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to build a sport, you know, first the Atlanta Flames when I was a kid, mm-hmm. they went away to Calgary, eventually won a Stanley Cup. And then they got the Atlanta Thrashers. They weren't any good either. So if you're going to build a sport somewhere, it helps when the team is good. Look what's happened in Vegas. If they go to the Stanley Cup finals the first year, they get a team. That's crazy. Now it's like the biggest. It's like the biggest show in town. You know, it looks like they might miss the playoffs this year, but to go five for five and make it all the way to the championship in your first year, 
that just cemented their place in the community. So, I mean, I, I hope Atlanta gets another shot. Such a great city and such a big city from a population standpoint. But how does that happen? I'm just curious. Like, if we get a new team, isn't the expansion draft supposed to happen? And aren't you supposed to get, like, why is it that yeah. if we get a new team, do we not have, like, I'm confused to what's happening here? Why are we not getting players for a good team? Well, back in the day, it was hard. They made it impossible to get good players. Every expansion team that came into the NHL, Washington, the Capitals, their first year in the league in the early 70s, they won like six games you know, out of 82. They were terrible. Oof. But then they realized a couple of years ago with Vegas and with Seattle paying half a billion dollars to get into the league, they're like, okay, we'll write you this check for $100 billion that you'll then split amongst the owners. Players wow. don't get that money. They don't get expansion fee money. That's why it's good to be an owner, Renee. Wow. <laughs> so you get those big expansion team checks. You split those with the owners. What? So Seattle and Vegas are like, okay, we're going to write you this half a billion dollar check. We need some players. Like we got to have a decent team if we're going to sell tickets and get our money back. And, you know, NHL tickets like NBA tickets are expensive, you know. I didn't know that. Like you're telling me everything you're going to tell me today, I want you to just know is going to be new information to me. Because <laughs> hockey I'm giving, you, I'm giving you pearls here, kid. I'm giving you pearls. Give me all of the jewels you got, okay, Bucci Mane? All right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, though, because you talked about the owners and the different things. Now, Marshawn Lynch just became owner of the Seattle Kraken, that team that wrote that big old fat, nice check mm-hmm. that you was talking about. What yeah. do you think that's going to do for the culture of hockey? Because it's like, does he have a connection to hockey? Do you know? No, not really. I'm sure he's just obviously he's trying to grow his portfolio. Love he has it. a great connection with the city. Obviously, hockey's trying to get more diverse. He's the coolest guy in the world, I think, right now. <laughs> if we had a ranking of the coolest dudes on planet Earth, he's got to be top 10, right? Best fact. Who doesn't not like him? He's so unique, yeah, his own cool style. Guy. Nobody else mm-hmm. is like Marshawn Lynch, Nobody. you know? And so if people want to be involved with him, he's likable. He appeals to just, like I said, everybody. I'm, kids love him. You know, he just has that really cool mass appeal. So I'm sure that was just a way. I'm sure he's got a very small stake, you know, 1%, half a percent or whatever. But it's a great idea, like I said. And, and the, him doing the donuts on the Zamboni oh, the other day. That was so Marshawn. That's what. <laughs> that was dope. That was dope. <laughs> well, you talked about the NHL, and we know the playoffs is underway and about the and starting. Has it already started? or Is it about to start? Not yet. Yeah, we're a little behind the NBA, so they start next Monday on ESPN. Perfect. Okay, okay so Monday on ESPN, the hockey playoffs are starting. You actually yep. called the NHL playoffs for ESPN, so I'm just going to ask a wide prediction of who do you think what has the best chance to win the Stanley Cup this year? Probably to phrase the question that way, which is probably a smart way to phrase it. <laughs> I would say either I would say either Colorado in the Western Conference and you know probably Florida in the Eastern Conference would be your two favorites. Uh, it's kind of like the NBA. It's a little wide open. We don't have a dream team. We don't have a uh, you know really the I guess the favorite would be Tampa Bay because they've won the last two championships. They're going for a three peat the lightning mm. um but you know with free agency and a hard salary cap the nhl has there's no luxury tax you can't keep guys past a certain you know once you once you reach a certain threshold in your salaries hmm. there's no forgiveness it's like they gotta go wow. you know nfl can play around with signing bonuses to push the cap back yeah. baseball can pay a luxury tax right. i think nba has luxury tax too if i'm if i'm not i uh, believe so 
I think you could write a check to keep to go over a little right, bit. Right, right. Yeah, the bird rule. Yeah, hockey, you can't do that. It's like a firm, you know, eighty-two million. That's how much you can spend right to the penny. So wow, you, you lose players every year. So it's harder to repeat. So Tampa Bay is going for three in a row, and some people still think until they lose, they're the favorite. But I would say Colorado or Florida. Okay, that's cool. I know the Florida Panthers. That's our producer yep. Roy. That's his team that he yeah. covers. The and Panthers. there are Panthers in Florida. My mom, I, you know, my mom's, <laughs> my mom's nine. She's like, are there really Panthers in Florida? I go, moms. What? There are Panthers in Florida. Panthers at in Florida, Bucci May now. What? Legit Panthers. Oh, you talking about real Panthers? That's what real I'm talking about. Oh, I thought he was joking, saying the Panthers no. were the Panthers. Like, no. Yeah, I th- I oh. let's pick a cool name. How about Panthers? I didn't realize it was a digit. This yeah, you go across Alligator Alley there. You will hit a panther once in a while. What in oh the negative and afraid is going on in Florida? <laughs> I, you know what? Let me set you straight about the panthers. What? Actually, no, the, the, you're a zoo guy there. Ron McGill, right? Listen, you tell I, we're DM not, him. We're not Florida people over here. No, Our producer no, and, and now the we're terrified network. People. But yeah, I'm scared. Now, I thought alligators were bad yeah. enough. Now I got to worry about panthers. I know. I know. Yeah, because they run fast. Right, they are <laughs> too fast. No. Those gators just zigzag. They can't get you. Not to mention the pythons. Okay, oh, yeah, we got yeah, they let's got not, a whole lot of stuff down there. Not then, yeah. You got a lot going on down there. <laughs> oh. yeah, the Everglades are on the whole other world. Everything's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what? Go- throw the government in Florida in there too is in a whole nother world. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> you also cover. You also cover the Frozen Four, which people, if people don't know, that's the NCAA Final Four for hockey. So as yep. we see a lot of different things happen in name, image, and likeness in the college space, are hockey players getting hot like deals in that space? Yeah, it hasn't happened too much. A little, you know, there's certain pockets like North Dakota hockey is the biggest show in town, and maybe some places in Minnesota. I actually did a little deal. I sell some uh, college hockey apparel on the side, what? little thing I do. I, the, the Bucci Overtime Challenge, which is on Twitter. And I started no, but tell us hockey. about it. Don't be just brushing yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what is this Bucci Overtime <laughs> Challenge? It's only the biggest thing on Twitter every hockey playoff. <laughs> so it's, it's so cool. So it, it's the best thing. So it goes nuts. I don't know why. It's about 10, 12 years now. Wow. So I'll go to mm-hmm. Trends, and the first thing will be like Snoop Dogg. The second thing will be Gucci <laughs> Overtime Challenge. The third thing will wow. be what did Rihanna wear to the Grammys? It's like the funniest thing that I am sandwiched in the most unbelievable <laughs> things that trend <laughs> on Twitter. This, yeah, all, basically the game goes to overtime uh-huh. and you pick one one guy in each team you think is going to score the winning goal. So it's kind of fun. Oh, it's like instant oh, free gambling. Cool. It gives you a reason to watch the game. I'm rooting for the number 22 and I'm rooting for number 15 that's to score a goal. That's fun. That's if he fun. does... Then I, of all the people who get it right, and a lot of people play, uh, then I pick like 10 people and I send them a hat or a t-shirt, like a Bucci. I got a logo made, the whole thing. So I just did it for retweets back in the day, but but then it blew up. So I started selling t-shirts and stuff. Then then I started to make so much money. I said, I'll give it away to charities. I give it away like a a quarter of a million dollars to hockey charities. This is a stupid little game. and I That's crazy. So I also... So, yeah, so then I started this college hockey hashtag, Boston accent, college hockey. And so that's kind of, that, that, that took off a little bit, too. So this this year, I decided, you know, I'm going to find two women who play college hockey. One was in Wisconsin. One was in Northeastern. You know, I gave them like 500 bucks. I made a hoodie with their number just to kind of get them involved, make them feel like a big deal. Because, yeah. you know, women's college hockey is really looking for some shine whenever they can get it. And it's good hockey. They've really increased their athleticism. And it's a fun sport to watch. So I did get involved just to kind of, 
you know, again, to kind of give them some shine and make them feel like a little bit of a big deal. And uh, it was fun. So I so but other than that, I'm not sure. Maybe I was the only one who did that. I don't know. But That's I haven't heard dope. too much about that yet. That but it was awesome. That's one of our other producers, Paul, just text me in the chat like, yes, it is big. And he put big in all the <laughs> letters. So my I bad. thought it would fade out. Listen, charge it to our head, not a heart. I did not know, but I'm going to be checking it out. Hey, DM me your address. I, I owe you swag now. I will send you some Buccio tea okay. and swag <laughs> that you can go. rock for me. That's Let's awesome. Quid pro go. quo on the social media. Um, all the way Absolutely. down. And you brought up something, the women's side. So women's hockey on all levels. What is it looking like on the women's side in regards to hockey? Well, you know, the first thing was just getting the, the Olympic athletes and the amateur athletes equal footing just on funding and, you know, things like that. But, you know, they really, they did lead the charge there in a lot of ways with, with the, the soccer players obviously had the loudest trumpet that they could play, uh, you know, in terms of getting equal footing, uh, equal funding. And then, the, you know, the, and the women's college hockey, because, you know, Olympic hockey, Hockey is like a very important sport at the Winter Olympics. It, it's re- it does really well. It produces a lot of revenue, and it's an important sport. That's and so, uh, so so the women they've been trying to do the same thing: get their equal footing, let them be able to get, get them some stipends so they can train in the summer and don't have to try to get a job while they're trying to train for the Olympics. And so there's been that battle there. Mm-hmm. Now it's just as you mentioned, the getting professional women's hockey going. It's been a battle. There was multiple leagues. Seems some infighting. Obviously, we have two countries with Canada being so popular there in the U.S. Obviously, the WNBA is really it's been going so long now. They've been kind of, you know, they're now really have good footing on the professional sporting landscape. Hockey's way behind there now. So it's, it's really the infancy, the early stages. But hopefully they can start to make slowly make positive gains and figure out what the best template for them to succeed you know what time what time of year do you play how many teams where oh, all yeah, that stuff. how yeah, old is the women's hockey league phf yeah the phf right that's just getting going because we had the nwhl for a while yeah. there was also a competing league in canada and of course what was great by the wnba they always had that nba backing mm-hmm. and the nhl just hasn't quite figured out how to get involved or to make that part of the tv deal which the wnba did with you know espn abc get them games so that's what they really need is the nhl to figure out how do we get involved how do we help grow it and how does it help us because i i get it you know for men and women sports leagues every new league is new competition yeah people only have so much money to buy a sweatshirt <laughs> exactly. buy a ticket and, and, st- and stream a package of games that's it's true. like that's it's, it's challenging to be a fan so i get like every every new league is a challenge yeah men or women yeah that's yeah and i just saw that the phf to receive 25 million from the board of governors is their largest one-time investment in women's professional hockey so i do hope that that gives them a boost but i'm curious just to shift gears a little bit how does one become host of sports center <laughs> how does that happen Bucci may uh six foot four blue eyes help <laughs> <laughs> just saying it was tough man those first 10 years were tough you know i don't make any money working you know jobs making 18 grand a year until you're like 30 years old i got here just basically you know you, you send a resume tape that's what's good about tv i mean a lot of people like i'd love to work at apple i like to work at google they'll probably think how can I work. I don't know anybody. I send this piece of paper. They don't know what I am or what I can do. But at least in our business, you can make your best five minutes of your local TV work yeah. like I did back in the day. Wow. Send that and there, there's his work. So they can see you. They can hear you. They can obviously listen to what you write. How well do you write? How well do you present yourself? What do you look like? What do you sound like? 
is there room to grow and get better? So that's what's great about this business. So you sent in a tape? Well, it's funny. I went to work one day in Rhode Island, uh, the second job of the three I've had. And I looked at this, this guy's desk and there was a newspaper article, USA Today. Mm-hmm. This guy's job, Al Jaffe, was to look at resume tapes. That was his job <laughs> at ESPN. Wow. So again, awesome. I, was, I, was 20, I was 29 years old. I still didn't think I was good enough. I never thought I was that good. I'd never had the best self-esteem and, or confidence as from my job. Wow. But I was like, you know what? That's the guy's job. How about if I'd said my tape, address it to him, and just mail it. At least I can say I did it. And I, like, that's his job, so he might look at it. But <laughs> yeah, I do know. That, that, so that you guy just started at the ground level. Just sent a tape in. I don't know anybody. I don't have any contact. I, I didn't have an didn't have an agent. And sure enough, they call three months later and they said they come on in, do a tryout. You show up. It's like a nine to five tryout. You come in. You write like a fifteen minute pretend sports center. You do that at like eleven thirty on the sports center set because back then there was no afternoon sports center, only at night. What? So you went to the sports center studio. Uh, this that was cool enough for me just to try out the ten minutes <laughs> and the sports center studio with Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann and Robin Roberts, all these legends oh, wow. sat. And then you go to lunch at Chili's. <laughs> which is still here in Bristol, <laughs> 25 years wow. later. And then, you come, then you come back and you meet with three different executives and then you go home at four o'clock. That's your day. So I was this. I was not far where I am right now. 25 years ago, I walked to my car, get in my 1996 Dodge Neon Green. And as I'm walking to my car, I'm like, I got the job. They're going to hire me. For real? And, like, oh, wow. And that is not me at all. Like I, like I said, I'm So not what the made most, you think I, you killed it? Like, what? Like why did you feel that? You just felt I, it. I, I know what I talk, I knew I knew what I was talking about. I knew that I always tell people, you want to get better at TV, it's knowledge or subject matter. Mm-hmm. That's how you get more comfortable. Because you get more comfortable. Mm-hmm. The more comfortable you are, the better you'll be, the more you'll be yourself. So right. I, I was very confident in the subject matter. And I just, I interview well. Like, I'm able to find a conversation exit ramp and go there and then get someone's attention. So each of the executives, I was able to seize on something through whether it was reading or where they're from. One guy was the editor of Rolling Stone. We start talking about music what? and he asked me about Rolling Stone. I said, spins better, which at the time it was, he was impressed <laughs> with that. but that's how I truly felt. He'd probably like to hear that because he no longer was at Rolling Stone. And so I just, I, it, I was it. So I, I interview well, and so I just felt like you know I think I think they're going to hire me. So that was it was a cool feeling to have, and sure enough, they did. Wow! wow. I, have, I have a question. So you say I, I, I love what you said though about you know that that you just started looking for points of contact and things like that because let's say even in like music, uh, when when you want to submit your music to something, you look for music right. supervisors or something, and people like like you said they say oh I don't know anybody and things like that. But um, something interesting that you said you said you're a good interviewer. What do you think actually makes a good interviewer? Is it just like being like a people person, a good conversationalist? Like, no, what would you say? That's a good question because I'm not. I I don't think I'm a people person in the true sense. I'm kind of a lone, <laughs> kind of a lone wolf. I'm kind of a, a, I'm quiet. I'm an okay conversationalist, but only in stuff that interests me. And <laughs> and so all those all, all those conversations interested me. Bucci man, we got a lot in common. I'm just as you just yeah. laid that out. I feel like we yeah. got a lot in common. Yeah, it's it's uh so I, I was probably interesting at the time in those conversations because what we were talking about interested me and mm-hmm. I knew about it and so so then my passion level rises and that's when people kind of go oh watch out there he comes you know and uh, <laughs> there he comes. he's really into this you know it's yeah. like once I get excited about you know a, t- a subject matter or anything I, I really get excited like a little kid so uh, so I yeah I think that. I, th- I, I think that's because like I said I didn't network I didn't intern uh, when people ask me how to get to I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I was the best path I kind of just 
showed up every day to work and loved you were trying to get better and you love sports yeah yeah and I, and I love doing a lot of different things and so i like doing a little music video like when a high school season would end on cape cod my first job i'd make like a music video to all the best plays of the year in the winter <laughs> sports oh, that's I, love, lit. I, I love picking out the song i love editing late at night and just coming up Whoa, with the cool dissolves what? matching the lyrics to the you know the video and so is that how Bucci Mane came to life like where did Bucci Mane <laughs> that that's yeah, right five, that's it I mean you have a very five, creative five. mind too though yeah well that's, that's again that's one of my strengths you got to go with your strengths too so like I said like, I've always been pretty creative always try to make things fun like the Bucci mm. Overtime Challenge I just kind of that was a goof that turned to this big giant thing on Twitter right you know right <laughs> above Rihanna one did Rihanna wear in the Grammys you know <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> that must have really happened. You keep saying that. That must have really happened. No, it did. It legitimately <laughs> happened. Like it, it's, it, it's so funny. It's like these uh, these ultra pop culture mentions, and I'm stuck right in the middle of these amazing <laughs> my stupid little hockey game. You know? Dumb. It actually right. sounds really cool. Right. I, that's, I would actually go into that because I love watching hockey highlights. It, it, so that would be simple. some like the if I just had to watch the overtime because I don't know the game, right. but I know when you make a shot, you make a shot. So yeah. that would be the interesting. <laughs> Yeah. part for me so i'd be like wow yeah i can guess but who's going to do it it's a two-step process first you have to pick the right guy then you have to hope that i pick you because i think at first when the game started people thought they automatically won if they mm -hmm. picked the right guy but i'm like dude you're one of 300 people i'd go bankrupt with postage if 300 people <laughs> won true. every game i don't you know so we're, we're picking 10 here i'm still losing here on product and postage so, uh, <laughs> but, but, then, but, but then i got the website bucciot.com and that's where you can buy the stuff you know the hats and the t and the t-shirts and the i guess so all kind of koozies all kinds of fun stuff so oh, that's awesome i that's love that. it i'm gonna have to look into that because i like stuff like that yeah. exactly <laughs> bucciot.com is that what it is yeah and one more thing the most we're talking about, about your job and interviewing the most important thing i tell people is to apply for the job right like people, I, yes. I, want to, I want to go to espn be a pa or production assistant and i say well apply like that's the really <laughs> you must apply right. for the job you can't talk about it wish it pray for it you do have to apply for it yeah. and then you Love know, it. That that's the most important step yeah yes and then, like, to that point i think that that's a very that's a very good point because a lot of people believe in manifestation and and speaking things into existence and while that is true you too. also do have to yeah. take action as yeah you well. got to be about that action exactly. a little bit yeah, put, exactly. yeah, put something into you it gotta get be something a grinder. Out of it. yeah exactly yeah you i love be it a well bucciot.com his name is Bucci main to us, but John Butchergrass for you guys. He's the host of Sports Center. He covers play by play for NHL playoffs, a little bit of everything. He's Mr. ESPN mm -hmm. over there. I can't wait till the Bucci <laughs> Overtime Challenge. I'm in there this year. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna be checking it out. Too. Too. Thank you for joining us here at Montgomery and Company. This was the highlight of my day. Thank, <laughs> you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A man amongst queens. What's up? Welcome to Hot Girl News with K Cruz. I'm K Cruz, celebrity makeup artist, CEO of K Cruz Cosmetics. And if you don't already know, then you need to get to know I'm Serena and Renee's sister. I'm here to bring y'all a quick rundown of all things pop culture right here, right now on Montgomery and Co. Pod. Vámonos. Bueno, 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 bueno. Vamos a comenzar with the Kardashians. Let's start off with the Kardashians because we're on the topic of sisters. The Kardashians are being sued by Black China. Black China is suing them for a hundred million dollars. Million, millones. Esa gente tienen cuarto because that is crazy. 
Black China is claiming that the Kardashians, along with Chris and Kylie, blackmail E! News producers, I believe, into getting the Robin China show canceled. So basically, lo que pasó fue, what happened was is that Kim and Chris went to E! Producers and said, if y'all don't kick them off the show or kick the show off the air, then we're going to all quit on this side. E! News was like, nah, we can't do that because they definitely bring in a lot of money for us. So they ended up canceling the show. Black China is mad and she is suing them because she's saying that they made her lose out on all this money, which in her defense, if someone was getting in the way of me making any type of money for any reason and I did have the opportunity to sue, then I would sue too. Pero es una loquera para allá. Somebody got strangled with a phone charging cord, which is actually very surprising to me. Black China has been threatening them. Chris has been threatening Black China. It's been a whole mess. Tonio Toki, Black China's mom, recently took to IG of all places to threaten the Kardashians and the judge at the same time, which I don't know, but that can't be good for anyone. This resulted in her mother being kicked out of the court and not being able to come back. And now she's outside of the court making live videos and posting them on IG, which I think are pretty funny because she's standing outside the court and like giving all these details. And it's like, girl, they tell you not to go back there. But to each his own, it is what it is. And moving right along to rapper ASAP Rocky, aka Riri's baby daddy. He was arrested while traveling back from Barbados on a private jet. He was arrested at the airport, booked and charged and later released on a $500,000 bond. Mucho demasiado dinero. Nini Leaks is actually filing a lawsuit against the Real Housewives of Atlanta for hostile and racist work environment. First of all, shout out Miss Nini Leaks for always standing your ground and shame on you, Bravo, for even letting this go on. That type of behavior is never okay. Get it together. Meg the Stallion actually went on an interview with Gail King where she talks about the alleged shooting between Tory Lanez and herself. You know, everyone picked a hill to die on last episode, and I'm going to pick mine. And mine is Meg the Stallion is not lying. Don't at me. I said what I said. That's my opinion. And keeping it all things love and hip hop, Future addresses his toxic reputation. And Senor Future says, these women all were toxic to me. They just don't want to admit it. So I really want to know what you ladies think about this. Can we as women sometimes admit that we have some toxic traits that maybe we like to be a little bit toxic sometimes? Or is it always the fellas? Y'all let me know. And last but not least, Bat Bunny casted as Marvel's first Latin superhero to headline a live action film. That's super dope. Shout out to Bad Bunny representing for the whole culture for Puerto Rico, for Dominican Republic. Extremely proud of him. And it's cool to see that we're finally, I don't think I've ever seen a Latin superhero, actually. So this should be very interesting to see. Wait, hold up. I think I'm wrong. Unless you consider El Chapulín Colorado a superhero, I don't think I've ever seen another Latin superhero since then. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to be in line waiting for it because I'm like a Marvel fanatic. My son loves Spider-Man and Captain America is my favorite. So we're always watching Marvel movies. And I actually really can't wait to see how this comes out. Y eso fue todo, mi gente. This was Hot Girl News with K. Cruz right here on Montgomery & Co. Pod. And like my sisters always say, it's a generational thing, baby. Next, we have Wale Agunlaye, who leads entertainment strategy at UBS 
and he also hosts the Players TV show Front Office. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. actually met Wale, Serena met him as well, Snook met him because he was hosting a TV show on Players TV called Front Office where think Shark Tank where a company presents their company and they present them to sharks but instead of sharks this time they present them to an athlete and their advisors. So Wale was hosting this whole experience which was really really dope shark tank is one of our favorite shows so when they said it was like shark tank i said count me in how did that even become about for you well i think ultimately it's it, it, i'll correct you on this one is a, is a show about athletes who are bosses and their advisors so renee you know you're a mm. boss and uh thank you having you on a show for me I, I think here's one thing my thought process is right when it comes to the financial industry a lot of times they look at athletes and entertainers really as just a paycheck. And my thought process um, is really trying to change how they perceive us, how they see us. I don't like the stereotypical hangarounders, posses that they try to put athletes in. And I wanted to find a way to have a vehicle where we can like really show how we do business and do business well. Instead of having the headlines of athletes losing their money, getting into the wrong groups of advisors and getting into Ponzi schemes, I wanted to show not only just the world, but athletes, if you do things the right way, surround yourself with the right people, put the right advisors in your ecosystem, uh, sky's the limit. So my thought process, one, was to just make sure that we control our narrative and making sure that people see us as entrepreneurs, as businessmen and women, and people that can handle their business. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. on, get us all yes, the way together yes, now. Yes. And just so people know, this is a pro bowler talking, but Wale, tell them a little bit about what you do, because you're 
a manager over a large amount. Mm -hmm. Like I can't mm -hmm. emphasize a large amount mm -hmm. of money in your cup. Like tell them a little bit about what you do. Well, so after I got done playing in the NFL, I realized that for one, I didn't understand my finances. So I went back to get my MBA so I could understand the jargon that financial advisors speak in. And which led me down a path of realizing I think we need to surround ourselves with the right people and the right institutions that have just as much to lose as we do. And it brought me to UBS um, and we started this sports and entertainment division. Um, I don't really know how me going to grad school got me into the position I am, but I am now the head of the sports and entertainment at UBS, right. who's the biggest private <laughs> Say it one time for the people in the back, yeah, okay? Yeah. Like, right. we're not going to just let you uh, just get exactly. by. Like, yeah. You just said it like it was no, like, oh, yeah, now I'm at to the be it, you got to see it, baby. <sighs> UBS is one of the largest it. institutions. Like, I want largest. people to understand the largest. that. The largest. The largest. That's what I'm we, saying. Yeah, there, that's that point. $4 trillion in money we made. Manage. And um, I, I wanted to have our experience. When I say our, because I feel like me being a young African-American male, um, having an experience of growing up with immigrant parents, then growing up in New York City, but then seeing different walks of life in the countries and I mean, in the cities that I've been through, I felt like my experience and the experience and the uh, expertise for UBS of managing money would put us in a win-win situation. And it's not about, for me, soliciting, getting more money into the firm. Listen, we got $4 trillion. I'm not here to ask people to bring their money to UBS. What I am here to do is, when we do get in those positions, we need to understand why it's important that Renee uh, has a legacy when she's done playing her sports or why we can help her move into the next um, phase of her life. Why does Wale have a family that he has to make sure he takes care of? Why is there people in Nigeria that are looking at him to be successful after football? And that's where my role is at this firm is, yes, we're going to do financial education. Yes, we're going to deal with our advisors. We're going to deal with our clients. But more importantly, especially the communities we come from, we have a hard time of understanding what real legacy is and generational wealth. And I want to make sure that the resources that these billionaires have we have the same things too in our communities. So it's been fun so far. That's awesome. Listen, he said That's some awesome. words that we talk about a lot. So as you can see on this set, it's my mom, which is my snook, my sister and my wife. So when we say generational, it really is our whole family that we're talking about. Like when you think about generational wealth and you're a guy actually in the financial space, like what do y'all think about in terms of generational wealth? Like what does that mean to you? Well, what it means for us, which is hard is it's really hard for a lot of us to stop looking backwards, right? And generational wealth is always with the eye in front, knowing that you've done the work that you should have done and you've accomplished the things you wanted to accomplish and you're moving things forward. So let's think about it this way. The communities I come from, mom had to work two or three jobs, dad actually had to work two or three jobs, they both had master's degrees. And when you get this big windfall of money, you feel like, I've got to go take care of everybody else that came up in a struggle like myself. And what happens though is we now start to spend our principal and we're taking care of everybody else. I'm taking care of my uncle who got me my first pair of cleats. And by the end of the day, we have those headlines that we're broke. So generational wealth is to say, let's move things forward. Let's make sure that we leave something behind for the people that are coming behind us, for our kids, for our families, for more importantly, for our communities. 
And that is the only way we are going to find a way through this crazy world that we live in. And some of us in our community has had a tremendous head start. And when it comes to athletes and entertainers, you know, we've gotten paid pretty handsomely. And that's why I think it is really imperative on us to do the right things with our money, make sure that we're investing in the right things and investing in the right people, but find ways to keep moving forward and not getting stuck in the past and trying to make up for lost time um, because we stay stuck in that, that, that route that we're in. I know a lot of men and women that I went to school with, you know, especially these you know, well-to-do you know, middle-aged white families, they move things forward. Their families and their dads and their moms are like, I'm okay with an F-150, son. That's all I need. I don't need a house. I got my own house. I don't need the car. I got my own car. So for us, it feels like we're taking care of a lot of the past sins or I guess just disadvantages that we've had and it's putting us in a real bad place. So for me, generational wealth is always looking forward and always trying to make sure that we leave something behind for the people that are coming behind us. Yes. Man. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And so I'm curious because, you know, you started as a football player legend in Miami. Like Roy was already saying, yes, we got, you know, their height. Yeah. Okay. That you're sitting right here. <laughs> what was some things that you thought you was doing with money that was dope as a player, but now like, as a real financial manager that you understand, like, man, what was I thinking? Like, what were some of those moments? And even you or your teammates, because we, you talk about 30 for 30 broke. They did a whole documentary on it. So like, what was some moves you was making before you knew money moves that you thought you was making money moves? I, I think the biggest mistake for me was one, I thought that people who had money were experts in money. So the guys in the locker room that had the nice cars, I figured that they must know about money. Well, that's the furthest from the truth. And it was kind of like the blind leading the blind. So the guy who had the Lamborghini, I feel like, well, he's pretty good. He's got a nice house. He must know what he's doing with his money. No, he, he actually probably didn't. And it made me do stupid things. Like, so I wanted to prove that I had money. So here's one of my biggest mistakes that I, I've made. I don't regret what I did, but I'm going to tell you why I think the mistake that I made. I get my contract and go down to the Bentley dealership and uh, I want to go buy a brand new Bentley. The salesman at the time said something that insulted me, like, he didn't think I could afford it. So I was like, I want that one and I'm going to pay cash. Right. Oh, Lord. <laughs> what? Right. right. So I'm not mad at that. What I'm mad at is I should have went to a different salesperson so they can get the commission. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's mm. the little things of not knowing really what money is and how people can provoke you to do stupid things. So I'm happy I bought the car, mm -hmm. but I wish I would have went to another dealer, but I wanted to prove to but that But are you person, happy that you bought a car that depreciates when you drop off of it in cash? Well, I'm happy because I've learned from that mistake, right? I've learned, okay. I've went through it, right? There's many times that your mom's on, 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 on this with us. I'm sure there's things she's told you that you just had to learn for yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of mistakes oh, that, you know, you and Nicole have gone through. So hopefully I've learned from that. So no, would I do that again? I wouldn't. Well, let me let you know, 
I'm just going to tell you, I liked it. I like the moxie. <laughs> like, look, don't tell me I can't afford that. Yeah, I'm about yeah, to put it down. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I'm yeah, with you. I probably. But it's about I'm, where you put yeah, your money to. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, I, I love what he's trying to say. But mm-hmm. yeah, it would have really been funny if he just went over to the next guy who was in the next booth over and said, oh, you don't think I can afford it? Hey, he don't want these coins. It. He yeah. don't think yeah. it's the coins you want these green. But see, that's something I would yeah. do. So I know, I know, I know exactly where you were going with that's, it. That's us. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point, too. I actually pulled the car into the house I was living in. The car was cost more than the house. <laughs> wow. What? I was, wow. was backwards. I was backwards. <laughs> <laughs> car was worth more than the house at the time I was living in. So um, that was before I, I, listen, when I first got the contract, I was just so happy. I have waited, you know, four or five years and, you know, really busted yeah. my tail and became a pro bowler. Yeah. And, I said, I got to yeah. treat myself. You have to reward but, um, yourself. Yes. Yeah. Treat yourself. Yes. Don't yes. teach yeah. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, lo- I love what you said, though. I love what you said about, oh, I should have given it to the other guy, you know, to, a- to another guy who actually, you know, so it's like you were intentionally thinking about where to put your money. So it's not just about the what, but it's about the who, too. Like, who are you going to invest with? And I think that that's very important. A lot of people don't necessarily think about that, you know, early on. Yeah, they don't. And then I think a lot of times, too, with, and as I was saying, when it comes to finances, it gets a little distracting in the sense that these advisors, it feels like they purposely talk in a way that where people are confused. Mm, yeah, because mm-hmm. that helps them. Exactly. It does, because I asked a, a gentleman you know, who was managing my money at one time, like, hey, how do you get paid? He's like, I don't get paid. Like, I'm actually putting my own money in. So here's this management company that's managing the, the, the funds. They get paid. Now, the question I should have asked was, who owns the management company? <laughs> he owned it, right? He had put yeah. it in an LLC. Mm-hmm. He could sit me in my face and tell me, technically, I, it's not in my name, but this management company that I do own is managing it. They're getting paid. And Wale that's is where, dropping nuggets. Yeah, that's where oh, we right. gotta like, Some wisdom. really like see the fine print of on things and see how people are trying to get over on you. Well, that's interesting because that brings me to the NFL draft where there's going to be a lot of financial guys running around because there's going to be a lot of guys who lives change. You know, you hear your name called, especially look three days now is the NFL draft. OK, so it's a long marathon, but you hear your name called at the beginning of that first day. There's going to be a lot of guys talking to you. How do they decipher what's going on? Like who? I, you get what I'm trying to say? There's going to yeah, be so many yeah. people coming at these NFL players or these draft picks. Like you're saying it sounds good, but if you didn't know to ask that question when you didn't know to ask it, how can you decipher who's somebody to roll with? Yeah, it's hard. I think we've got to kind of start, Renee, on that question. We've got to start earlier. We've got to start in college and high school, like giving the tools to their players to have better decision-making opportunities. These schools make billions of dollars off these kids and just to throw them to the wolves, I think it's not fair. So it should start way before draft day. They should have at least a basis. These head coaches have some of the best financial advisors in the world themselves. And they should be putting these resources in these kids in front of these kids and let them understand like, here's what you should be learning from the time you step on campus to the time you leave for the draft. If you know, you are one of the few and not it be like this snowball effect, like once everything hits you on draft day. So I say the colleges need to step in a little bit and have some responsibility when it comes to educating our young men and women about the pitfalls of money. And it starts, you know, freshman year. And I also want to say that 
that is a great point to make because not everyone is going to the draft. So at least look out for your players because some of these kids who are not going, give them the opportunity that if they do go a different way, they may come into a money a different way. They still need to have this information. Exactly. They still exactly. need to know these Especially things. in the so, age of name, image, and likeness. Exactly. And that's, that's what exactly I was going right. to say. So I think that that is a great tool. You're right because they're basically the coaches, like you said, have the best. Mm-hmm. Bring them in exactly. and say everybody's mm-hmm. going to take a class at least one semester on these particular things and you know because it's not just about the ones who make it it's about the ones who don't they need more help probably than the ones only two percent make it right and I, i think if you look at we're talking about the athletes who have some type of skills and think they're going to go on we actually need to educate our community then the parents can be able to help them make those right decisions they have like and that's the difference between us and other communities where our evening communications at the dinner table are different because they're talking about what went on with the stock market what went on with this company sale this that this that and we're talking maybe about how many points did so and so get at the game or or whatever. And colleges do um, take a lot of responsibility. I taught at a college and we had classes that prepared, you know, all students like with critical thinking. And I think that's one of the things with decision making. If you have some critical thinking exposure, you can make better decisions. Absolutely. And the coaches got it. I think, you know, with that, the universities have the best resource when it comes to education. But these coaches have to get out of this mindset that, you know, if I spend 30 minutes on my own personal self I'm taking away from the game like like this that that Neanderthal type mentality has to stop and for us in our community we have to say enough's enough you're using us and then when it's all said and done you're kicking us out like that 98% that don't make it what do we have and Nicole's extremely right. right on that that we have to realize that majority of the student athletes that are in colleges are going to be our future teachers, lawyers, doctors, engineers. Um, they're going to have to learn how to manage money, too. Right. So what do you think about name, image and likeness now in the college space? Like with now kids just being able to make so much money, like what do you think that's going to do to the college space? I think it's going to honestly, I think it's going to be the same for the, the powerhouses that have had these influences before let's not you know let's let's be honest like yeah. now the boosters can do this thing legally that they've been doing illegal for forever um, no, not under the table no right more. so you know they've been paying these these young men and women for for a long time and now it's just legal a, a so. major coach in college said that this is not sustainable because now the price tag it's almost like having no salary cap but you're in the college space. So there's there's the base now that, you know, I've, to your point, boosters can do it legally. So it's now a bid of who can have the highest offer. And so there's some college coaches now, I guess they're concerned about recruiting because it's okay if you could do it in, you know, on the low, low. But now when it's like for sale for the highest bidder, People are starting to get worried. So I'm, is that like a, no, that's a coach's problem. Y'all need to figure it out. Or is that a real problem in, in, in college football? It's not a problem for us. Like, let's, let's <laughs> at the end of the day, get them, let them get as much money as they can. We're not Where the worried. money reside? Where the we, money yeah, reside? Yeah, we're not like worried that. about your wins and loss, sir. Like, come on, like, <laughs> if they can get paid, let them get paid. Um, yeah, because right. at the end of the day, the coaches are getting paid handsomely. And they can come get up and leave whenever they want. And they have all these side deals. They got these free homes. They got these free cars. Their mm-hmm. whole family is get out in any gear that the school has. They can receive mm-hmm. all these free meals. And if I free got flights. everything. And now, if I tried to do one of that while I was playing, I'm ineligible. 
So, Facts. listen, you're not going to cry to me about your problems now, sir. No, not doing it. But what we do, but, but here's where I do get worried, okay, now. So let's let's flip it out. Now we're in college. We're making a hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars now. Mom and dad now have to realize, oh, shoot, taxes, right? Yeah. We're getting yeah. that now. Yeah. 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 in trouble now. So from the student's perspective, we've got to do a better job of making sure now we're really educated, right? Now we're getting some money Tax. early. There could be some tax problems. You don't want to maybe want to put me on your taxes as a dependent anymore, mom, because... Can't claim can't, me, mama. Can't, can't I'm making my own money <laughs> right. now, baby. Right, right. <laughs> And when it comes to marketing, remember, they just give you the check right away without the taxes removed. So if you think you've got $100,000 and you spend $100,000, Uncle Sam's going to be like, hmm, I need to talk to you. 50 of that's mine. Yeah, yeah. 50 Let of me that get is mine. Yeah, you ain't playing this season, sir. You're, you got to uh, spend a couple, couple years in jail because you ain't paid your taxes the last three years, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got a lot of stuff we got to worry about. And depending on your bracket, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, so, like uh, athletes are, are taxed in the highest percentage highest. because it's a different bracket, correct? Absolutely. And you know they're not going to give these kids any short shorts, like letting them somehow find a way to evade taxes. They're going to hit them with the mm. hardest taxes possible. So, yeah. And what Woo! about insurance? They come off their parents' uh, taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No insurance, really. That's yeah. true. Fact. Yeah. And yeah. The school should hurt. cover that, though. Yeah, but I'm just, uh, okay. <laughs> I know. The, the key word was in that sentence was should. should right. But I want to ask you something before we let you go. The NFL draft is coming up, and I want to know, like, who should we be looking out for? Like, who, who do you have your eyes on? Like, for people that aren't all the way down like is there a clear number one draft pick is there a clear top five is that like that in football i mean there is i'm not a big procrastinator when it comes to what i feel like is going to be the future hall of famer i really do think that most gms in the nfl get it wrong most of the time um mm-hmm. especially with the quarterback position there's really only like five, the most important position right, there's only like mm-hmm. really five elite quarterbacks in the nfl and everybody else I think everybody on this call could probably do better than most of the NFL uh, quarterbacks in, in the NFL right now. Oh, listen, <laughs> I have a grandson. Remember this name, Vance Young. He's going to be a quarterback. Vance Young? Vance, Vance Young. Vance Young. Listen, hey, Vance Young. I, I got it. I'm going to give you my business card. Man, give me a call because okay. I'm going to represent him all the way to the okay. fullest. Okay. He's there good. Go. He's all good. right, Vance. Look at that. Get so you think pro. that it's not really – because, you know, in the NBA, it's like you know who's going to be the top five. Yeah. You might yeah, not know what yeah, order. Yeah. Shoot, we just had the WNBA draft, and pretty much everyone knew the top two picks, and they didn't know which one we were picking of those top two, but we ended up picking Ryan Howard, as everybody knows. But So it's not really like that in the NFL. Well, for, it's, me, for me, it's bittersweet. I didn't get drafted because, one, I tore my ACL my senior year in college. So mm. draft day was real bitter for me. Like I, I, I had to like grind to turn that into an 11-year NFL career. So I'm actually the opposite. Like, you know what? Whether you get drafted or not, it don't matter. We all got to get in that ring together. And I'm going to show you that I got what I got. It don't matter where you've been picked. It matters really where you end. And I really ended up on top. So I'm happy about that. Amen. Let's Amen. go. Amen. My Love name that. Wale. And I came to kill him. Hey, let's go, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. I love this podcast. You guys have fun on this one. Huh? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we oh, do. Yes, I we love do. that you said that. Man, listen, thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining us here on MoCo. Everybody, Talk about financials. I know it's awkward and families don't feel comfortable talking financials, but if everybody starts talking a little more
our financials, I think we'll all be a little bit more educated. So talk about financials. Let's change the narrative. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Coming off the WNBA draft and now with the NFL draft happening today with the first round. I started to think about what Wale said and how even if you aren't drafted, you can still make it. But there's another whole side to that as well. Even if you aren't drafted, your best career may not even be in the sport that you're in. You know, I don't know if Wale knew that he would go on to be the manager of athletes and entertainers finances at the largest financial institution in the world. I don't know if he thought that. And so while he was worried about not making the draft, there were other bigger plans down the line for him. So that's just a note to yourself. If you're worried about something happening, maybe that's not the something for you. Maybe your thing is on the way. Catch us next week where it's a generational thing. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.